Okay, welcome. Good. Good to see you. Um, we're coming towards, well, we are at the, the end of 2 Timothy, and this, uh, this will be the last um, in the series that we're doing on, uh, on 2 Timothy. Um, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to, uh, to read from uh, verse 9 uh, through to the end. So 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 um, through to, uh, from verse 9 through to the end. And Paul writes this, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. But you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit and grace uh, be with you. The Lord be with your spirit and grace be with you. Are we all right? Are we, are, are we all on the same page? <laughs> Good. <laughs> right, so, so here we are. We're towards the end. Tim, um, Paul's been writing this letter to Timothy. He's been really, um, the last, if you were here, the last time this was preached on last week, then it, um, it was encouraging um, Timothy to preach the word being prepared in season and out of season and Paul said you know he was coming to the end he was like being poured out like a drink offering uh, but he'd fought the good fight and he would kept the faith uh, all those those great things and he knew that in store for him was this this crown of, of beauty uh, a crown of righteousness which the Lord of righteousness would reward him so he was full of hope he looked back over on what he what he'd achieved um, but also knowing what God, that God was a reward for those who are faithful and who stick, um, stick with it to the end and are faithful in that. So Paul is like, um, he's charging Timothy to preach the gospel. But more than this, like he's, um, he's giving him an illustration um, from his own life, from his own example, if you like, because Paul has preached the word of God throughout his own ministry, hasn't he? 
And we know that, and it's, it's littered throughout the New Testament, how Paul's done that. But also, very recently, and we'll see as we unpack this, um, he's been boldly proclaiming uh, the gospel, the full gospel of Jesus, what it's all about, um, in the court, when on trial, uh, even being on trial for his life. And, uh, and so he's given, a, he's given an example to Timothy to, uh, to carry on, even in difficult circumstances. And we can see as we go through this, as we look, as we read that straight off, we can see um, that, that Paul is, is, finding it, is actually finding it tough, I think. Um, we can see that from, from these verses that he perhaps feels a little um, isolated or, or maybe even lonely. Because he, he says a number of things as we, as we go down this, he says a number of things. Firstly, he says, you know, uh, there's a lot of friends of mine that I've worked with that are absent from me. Um, some of which have, have actually deserted me. So we, we pick this up in, in the beginning. He says to Timothy, look, please, come, do your best to, to come to me. I'm really anxious to see you. Um, for Demas, uh, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's gone. So this guy Demas, um, it's, it's clearly that the, the way that he's gone off uh, and left Paul kind of in the lurch, as it were, um, it's really painful for Paul, it seems here. Now, he was... Uh, Demas is mentioned a couple of other times in, in the New Testament, and he's mentioned with Luke. So Luke, who um, Paul describes as uh, you know, a, a dear friend and, and doctor, um, whenever, whenever Demas is mentioned, it's mentioned with Luke. So in, um, in Colossians, you don't have to look this up, in Colossians 4.14, he talks about our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings to you. This is the letter to the Colossians. So they're linked together. And again, in, in uh, Philemon, uh, verse 24, he's talking about everybody sending greetings. And at the end of that, he says, as do our fellow workers, Demas and Luke. So that, you know, and, and we know that he, he holds Luke really very dear. And, um, you know, Luke, Luke rec has recorded a lot of the things that Paul um, was, was up to in, in the book of Acts. And so we can see that, that, that and, it, and Paul has described them as our fellow co-workers, our fellow workers, someone that he's worked closely alongside. And yet, here it is, something must have gone really very wrong, because Paul says here, he's deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, um, miles away from Rome, where, where Paul is in prison. And we don't know exactly um, what went wrong, but Paul says he's done this because, um, he's, uh, uh, because he loved this world. Well, literally, that means, uh, translated, means he's fallen in love with it. So he's been, something has, has distracted him, and he's fallen in love with it. And, uh, you know, m maybe it's about the fact that, that Paul is in prison, and there's a, a, being associated with Paul was quite, would have been quite a dangerous um, thing to do. Uh, and maybe, maybe Demas, you know, couldn't stomach that, that anymore. And, it, and there were things, the calling of, of, of something better or easier had, had called him and he, he disappeared off. So, you know, that's, and I guess that's, that's something that, that could happen to us, couldn't it? You know, we, sometimes we've got close friends who, who let us down. And, uh, but, but yet Paul through here, we, we'll, we'll see as we unpack this, how Paul responds to these situations. So, so some, there's, there's definitely someone here, Demas, who's, who's gone off on his own, has let Paul down, uh, 
uh, and maybe that's because he, you know, this, this loyal worker was unable to, uh, to pay the price. He found the price of, of ministry and, and standing alongside Paul too much. But also he mentions a, a number of other folk here as well. So um, uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, and he's never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. We don't know whether it, it, you could read this as uh, Crescens and, and Titus have, have done the same as Demas, because it kind of just follows on. See, there's no, there's no like, kind of join up here. He says, Demas has, has deserted me and has gone, and then he says, Crescens has gone to Galatia. So we don't know whether, that, whether he's gone as, as part of deserting Paul, or whether he's gone on a, another mission, or, or whatever. But um, you could read into it that he has deserted as well. But in whatever effect, there's, there's, there's three guys here who he's worked with. Um, Titus, again, um, Titus was, was working with uh, Paul, particularly was left by Paul in Crete uh, when they were sharing the, uh, the gospel there. And there's a, the, the book of Titus is, is, uh, is the next one on in the, in, in the Bible. So uh, we know a bit about Titus. And um, so definitely here, there was a number of, of Paul's close friends that were no longer with him. So he was in prison, he was under a, a death, threat of death, and, and here some his co-workers have, have moved on. But he does say, you know, he does say Luke is with him. We've talked a bit about Luke, um, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, that Luke, this could be a, a testimony to his, the loyalty of his companion here, that his beloved physician. Um, and I guess as we go through this, the question, one of the questions for me as I was reading this is, is when... When things get tough, um, who are we going to be like most? Are we going to be like Demas, or are we going to be like Luke? So when you know things are really tough for Paul, and he's under threat of death, and being associated with Paul will be really, really dangerous, and uh, you know you come under persecution. And one guy has left and deserted him, and one guy, Luke, and they're both you know in other places in the Bible they're both closely linked together. He has clearly, he's stayed. Only Luke is with me. And the challenge for us is, where are you going to be when, when it gets tough, when the going gets tough, when things, when things in our church don't go quite how we'd hoped they would go? Are you going to stand alongside and support and, uh, and, and, and follow God and, and hear God and, and get it back on track? Or are we going to um, go off and do other things? It's a challenge for us, isn't it? But Paul, so here he is, he's, he's, it's, so the first thing I'd say is that you know, he's, he's feeling challenged because he's, he's feeling a bit lonely because a lot of, lot of folk have, have disappeared. He, we can see then that he, he gives instructions to, to Timothy, you know, get, get, get Mark and, uh, and bring him with you. Uh, this is in uh, verse 11, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me uh, in my ministry. So again, Mark was a, a, a valued uh, member of Paul's group. Uh, you might remember those of you that have, um, uh, have read passages from the Bible before and s- the stories of Paul, that, that Paul and Mark fell out. They had a, a big uh, disagreement and they split and went their own ways. But clearly the, the, the something's happened that's brought them back together. There's a kind of reconciliation because he really wants Mark. At one stage he, he didn't want Mark to be with him and now he wants Mark back again and to come uh, and be with him. Uh, because, he says, um, it, he will be useful in uh, ministry and there's a one of the interesting things I found just just reading through looking at this was that where it says um, in here it would be useful in my ministry that that my isn't actually in the in the original that's kind of been slipped in and so while you might think he's asking for um, Luke, uh, Mark to come to look after his support him in his own personal needs 
think actually it's because he wants him to do to, to be involved in ministry in wider ministry it's not Paul like being uh, selfish or worried about himself it's because he's wanting Mark to come and uh, to, to be part of the ministry and in fact you can see um, you know even in even in the circumstances that that Paul is in um, in prison threatened um, abandoned by some of his friends he's still strategically trying to look for the best way to uh, to preach the gospel and to share the gospel so you you know bringing he's, he's really desperate for um, uh, for Timothy to come um, uh, and and be with him but also he's got Luke his really trusted advisor with him and trusted friend and he's also wanted Mark to come to help share the ministry and you can see as he, he can gather these these guys around him he's got uh, a group of real trusted leaders who that he can then um, you know invest in as he knows that he's coming to the end of his life and yet he he wants to to bring them together not not for his own personal joy necessarily I don't think but actually strategically to to ensure that they're, they're charged with um, going and, and, and sharing the gospel in the, in the best way and as part of this like big picture stuff he's still strategically trying to put people in different places um, there's this guy um, who I didn't pronounce his name right first off um, I have no idea how you really pronounce it Tichikis is that right, Matt? Is this the same guys you had this morning? It is, yeah. 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 So when Matt was speaking this morning, the end of Ephesians, this very chap, um, he was talking about him taking the letter um, uh, to, to Ephesus to share and to share the actual background of, um, of the situation that Paul was in uh, because he trusted him. He was a trusted worker. So again, Paul is, um, is saying here, I've, I've sent this guy off to Ephesus again. Um, and part of that is, is, is again, to... to, to uh, if he's asking Timothy, who was in Ephesus, to come to him, he wants somebody who's responsible and trusted to uh, make sure that the work in Ephesus keeps on track. So we can see that strategically, uh, Paul has still got all these things going on in his head. He's not, he's not looking after himself. He's thinking about the gospel and the churches and the people that he, he <coughs> represents. But above all else, above all else, what Paul yearns for is for Timothy uh, to come. You know, his, his, uh, his uh, tutee, if you like, the guy that he's mentored and uh, has been writing to to encourage in the faith and in preaching and to fan into flame his gift and to be bold and all that stuff. He longs to see, uh, to see Timothy. We can see this in, uh, in verse 9 at the beginning. It says, Do your best to come to me quickly. Do your best to come quickly. And then again in, uh, in verse 21, towards the end, Again, he says it again. He's almost like you know laying it on the line, isn't he? It's, this is urgent. Do your best to get here before winter, uh, because uh, during the winter it it, it, it was diff it was impossible to travel, um, impossible to to do the journey uh, across to, uh, to to Rome. Uh, if we go back to the very beginning of um, two Timothy. Uh, in chapter one, if you just if, if you're following in a Bible, just just flip back. We can see again Paul's yearning, really, to uh, to, to for, for, for Timothy and to, to meet with him. In, in uh, chapter one and verse three and four, says this: I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you. I long to see you. That 
I may be filled with joy. So he does want to see him. He does what he's feeling. He is feeling lonely, and that's okay, isn't it? He, he, he wants somebody who he knows and trusts to come alongside him and to um, encourage him and sit with him. So he's feeling, first off, he, uh, uh, he's feeling like he's, these, his friends are absent. Some of his friends have disappeared off. Some have deserted. Others he's sent off for, for very good reason. And there's a couple there we're not sure whether he's sent them off for good reason or whether they've, they've gone off on their own accord. So, but, but whatever it is, he's, he's absent and he's asking for, he wants folks to come, um, come to him. So Mark and, and particularly for, for Timothy to come. The second reason why he's feeling a bit isolated and, and, uh, and, uh, and this again is, is something that we might come across, is he's being opposed. He's been strongly opposed. Verse, verse 14 says this, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So we don't know. Again, we don't know um, exactly what it is. There's this great deal of harm that uh, Alexander's done. Um, again, literally translated, it means he informed evil things about me. So um, informed evil things. And, and the speculation that perhaps... Um, that uh, he was the informer or an informer responsible for Paul's arrest. So that, that could be described as, as great harm against him. But, but even more than that, it says he's, uh, he's strongly opposed our message. You know, he's, not, uh, he's not working. Uh, he's working against Paul. And so, so he's warning Timothy here, look, look, just be on your guard against this guy you know when you come I really want you to come to meet with me and we can uh, you know to encourage me but also for this strategic partnership in the gospel of, and, and taking and encouraging you to take things forward but just be on your guard because this, this guy's out to sort of trip you up and we again you know in our, in our Christian journey we might have folk that deliberately try to trip us up or oppose us or challenge us in a way that, that would not be helpful and the third reason uh, why he's feeling uh, isolated, I think, um, uh, is that he was, uh, as it says here in verse 16, uh, no one, at my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. He felt really unsupported. Talks here about um, the first defence. We might best understand this there's different ways of, of uh, interpreting what this is is this about when Paul was first imprisoned or is this perhaps about um, the, the preliminary uh, investigations and, and court proceedings prior to his trial um, and I, I, I'm going with that one um, because it, it seems more current uh, to what he's saying here so um, uh, under Roman law he would have been permitted to employ an advocate or a witness or witnesses or a character witness who would stand up by his side and testify that he was an upright and, uh, and an innocent person. But he's saying here that no one came to support him. Everyone deserted him. And so we can see, like, Demas has gone. He's been opposed by Alexander, who's done him a great deal of harm. And there he is. At pre-trial or in his first defence no one, no one has come to support him 
And I think as we, as we sort of reflect on this, there's, there's, there's a couple of things to, to think about here. Is that, firstly, um, Paul's heart, isn't it? It comes out again here because he says, um, may it not be held against them. That's a generous spirit, isn't it? He, he's feeling in that place. Everyone's let him down. Although it has to be said, like we can tell because of um, the, the further greetings towards the end of the, uh, of, the, of the letter, there still are people who are, are there who he would be friends with. But in this instance, he didn't have anyone to, to advocate for him. I just wanted to, uh, to read something from, from one of the commentaries because I, I felt it was quite, quite helpful uh, in, in terms of this. So as I said, in, in Roman law, he would have been permitted to employ an advocate or call a witness. But, but, but uh, John Stott in his book here says this, Among all the Christians in Rome, there was not one who would stand at his side in court, either to speak on his behalf or to advise him in the conduct of his case or to support him by a demonstration of sympathy. So how would he feel? How would he feel in that sense? And yet... He says, may it not be held against them. And kind of, as you think about that, it kind of reflects, doesn't it? It reflects Jesus. When Jesus was betrayed, um, when Jesus went to the cross, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Paul is, is kind of saying the same here. <coughs> All his friends, his friends have gone, there's no one to represent him. But, and this is the point, this is the exciting bit, this is the bit to, to really get hold of, because even if we find ourselves in circumstances which are similar to Paul's, or even a little, a little bit like Paul's, I, I'm guessing we're not, hopefully we're not going to find ourselves in Paul's circumstance, but when, when things get tough, what does Paul say here? He doesn't hold it against them, but he says this, and this is the, these are great verses, verses 17 and 18. But the Lord... But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So whatever, whatever else happens, if you're people that you're really close to and are working with, if they leave you or leave you in the lurch a bit, if there's people opposing you or, or trouble coming in whatever way, you know, if you feel right on your own in, in a difficult, impossible situation, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So that, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed. These verses then, where it says, the Lord gave me strength. It's kind of like that inner strength that comes from within. Now we were, as I was saying, we were praying about the Holy Spirit, talking about and praying for the Holy Spirit to fill people at yesterday's Alpha Away Day. And one of the things that, as that, that Holy Spirit comes and fills us, it changes us from the inside out. And it will give us that inner strength that Paul is referring to here. Enabling him. Uh, it just reminds me of um, in, in Philippians 4.13. 4 verse 13. It might be if you uh, turn to that, that would be, that'd be really great. Um, quite, quite a well-known verse. But again, it's one, uh, one to underline in your Bible and to, uh, to pin up on your wall so that you can remember it in difficult, tricky times. Because he says this, Paul says this. In uh, chapter 4, verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It's not about what we can do on our own, what we can do by ourselves. It's I can do everything through him who will strengthen me from the inside. 
And that's a great thing. So Paul is saying, he's saying again, he's repeating that here again. He's saying, um, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. What was the purpose? So that, so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed. So he's preached the gospel. He's there. The Lord being there and with him has enabled him to preach the gospel. And also, he says, has delivered him from the lion's mouth. In other words, he's been able to survive um, in, at this time when he's still writing this letter. So in effect here, Paul's suffering that he's going through and these tricky times it still means that the gospel advances or it actually advances because of it, because of this and his suffering. And his suffering is therefore not a sign that he's been abandoned by God, which we might think, but rather that he's approved by God and God is using this time and using these situations um, to, uh, to speak uh, through Paul and speak boldly through Paul. How would you or I respond, I wonder, if we were in that situation? Maybe for me, I think, um, I, I think I feel a bit sorry for myself. Yeah, sort of, um, there you are, all those things have happened. And there you are. And yet, what he's most concerned about, Paul here, is uh, not the personal danger that he's in. Um, he's not concerned about himself, but he's concerned about Christ and the message of Christ being preached. He's not really wanting, a, a, he's not moaning about not having a witness for his own defence. But what he wants to do is to witness to Christ himself. So here he is in, in one of the highest um, uh, tribunals of the empire before judges. Um, maybe we don't know, maybe even the emperor or whatever, but, but definitely probably a large crowd amongst him. And here he says, you know, the Lord has given me strength so that I can preach the message. Through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's able to actually, even in those circumstances, to boldly share his testimony. There is another view that this is talking about, you know, his, his, uh, the way that he's done that in the past in terms of sharing uh, God's word. And again, that, that, that might well be uh, completely right because, you know, Paul, Paul is God's chosen instrument to share his word in his good news, God's good news, with the non-Jews, with the Gentiles. He was chosen particularly to do that. And that's a powerful thing. And here he is um, saying that he was delivered from the lion's mouth. And again, that's got, um, got echoes in, in, in the Old Testament. Maybe echoes from, um, from Psalm 22, verse 21, which says this, Rescue me from the mouth of lions. And I think Paul would, would know his scriptures and would know that. Or it might even be echoing back to, uh, to Daniel and um, when, when Daniel was saved from the mouth of lions. Uh, it's, uh, those that know about these things say it's very unlikely that actually he was threatened with being thrown to the lions because, he was, uh, because of his uh, citizenship as a, as a Roman citizen. Um, but he's talking here um, around that you know, he was under severe threat um, from... Uh, Nero, the emperor, emperor and, 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 the, uh, and the Roman state at this time. So what he's actually doing, isn't he? He's giving, um, he's, he's giving Timothy 
a real um, encouragement and, and lesson here as, he, as he's, uh, as he's uh, coming to the end. He's charged Timothy with uh, preaching the gospel. Uh, be prepared in season and out of season. And even as we go through this, we can see that Paul is prepared to preach the gospel himself in season and out of season in the most difficult um, circumstances. And then finally, in, in first, the, the final bit that we're going to cover tonight is, uh, is just verse 18. Uh, because again, a really powerful testimony that Paul gives. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He's got great confidence in the Lord, hasn't he? Um, I don't think this means that what he's, what he's thinking is that he knows that he's going to die. In other words, I think, I think he knows that he's coming towards the end of his life. Um, but what he's saying is nothing is going to take me away from what God has for me in that heavenly kingdom. Yeah? And it reminds us, doesn't it? It reminds us of, uh, of those great verses in, in Romans 8. Um, Romans 8, and uh, what shall we say then uh, in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can, uh, in all these things, we, we are conquerors, more than conquerors that through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is fully confident that God will see him through Jesus Christ, through to that heavenly kingdom, where he says, uh, where he said before, isn't it, in those verses before, where he's certain that there is in store for him the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul is confident in the trouble that he's in. So Paul is, uh, for us, there's great lessons to be learned here, I think, of, of, of Paul. So he's, he's, he's in difficult circumstances. His friends, have, have, for whatever reason, have, have left him. He's been opposed and he's been deserted in his defence. But what he says is, what he comes back to say is, the Lord is by my side. And has given me strength. Why? For the purpose of preaching the gospel, making Christ known. And also, I've got every confidence that you can throw whatever you like at me, but nothing is going to stop me from getting to that kingdom, that heavenly kingdom. And he finishes here by saying, well, and that's it. To him be the glory. Not about me. This is not about me, Paul says. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we should be encouraged by Paul as he's, done, uh, as he's done those things and encouraged Timothy in the same way. Let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for these verses that are here which kind of leap off the page to us that talk about how you will stand alongside us at all times, in all circumstances. Lord, that you will give us strength to fulfil what you're calling each one of us to do. Lord, you have your hand upon our lives. You have a path mapped out for us, a calling, just as Paul had a calling. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us. You would help us to be like the Luke's and not like the Demas. Lord, help us to stand up strong when the going gets tough. And Lord, to be like Paul and to put our trust completely in you even when we're drawing to the end of our lives. Help us to know your presence and have that certain faith that through the work, the resurrection work, the redeeming work, the fantastic work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we too have a place in the heavenly kingdom and we too will receive the award that you've got. Thank you, Lord, for this hope that you've sowed in our hearts. And Lord, may we go from here being encouraged to redouble our efforts, to serve you with joy and to give you the glory you deserve. Lord, thank you for the opportunities you're opening up for us as a church. Help us to take them with both hands and to be bold and courageous and to know you with us as we go. I pray for us as individuals as well, Lord, that we would do that in our personal lives. We would share with our families, with our work colleagues, with our neighbours, with others we come across, even in difficult circumstances. Make us bold for you, Lord, through your power. Because, Lord, we know that we can do all things through you who give us strength. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.